Let us pray as we begin our teaching this morning from God's Word. Lord God, as we are gathered here to worship, we've been singing your praises and we've been reading your scriptures and praying to you, asking for your presence, and we continue for that request, desiring for you to be here with your spirit, that you will instruct us, that you will help us to take the words of your scriptures to heart and that you may be glorified through what I say and through what we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. There's something crazy about the English language. Can anybody agree to that? Okay, Spanish speakers, you said that too loud. But there's something crazy about the English language, okay? Follow me. Humor me for just a moment. Quicksand has nothing quick about it. In fact, it works fairly slowly as it sucks you down, right? Boxing rings are not a ring at all. They're square. A guinea pig? They're cute and all. But they are neither from the African country of Guinea, nor are they a pig, right? English language is cra- it's crazy. All right, follow this logic. One goose, two geese. So wouldn't it make sense, one moose, two Meese just doesn't work. English, wait, how does that work in English? Two meese? Two meese? Meeses. Mooses. Meeses. Okay? How about this one? Writers write, but fingers don't fing. Grocers don't grosh. Hammers don't ham. But writers write. It gets even more confusing when you have parts of words within the word which is not even in that object that it's explaining. For example, there is no egg in eggplant. Aren't you glad? Right? There's no ham in hamburger. All right? There is no pine. There's neither pine nor apple in a pineapple. English, I don't understand. Where does it come from? whole mixture of different languages, I understand that, but some feel that there is nothing good about mourning. Anybody in that camp? Nothing good about mourning, yet we say it all the time? I just said it at the beginning a few minutes ago. Good morning, church, right? We say it all the time. Good morning. But there's, some people fear the, feel there's nothing good in mourning. And there is definitely nothing good about goodbye. Saying goodbye. It's hard to do. Very hard to do. It was very hard for Jennifer Shalow. It was her first experience saying goodbye to her military husband. He was about to be deployed to Afghanistan for an entire year. She wondered what 
the emotions she was supposed to have? How was she, how was she supposed to handle herself or carry herself? Was she maybe supposed to n- try and not cry? Just give him a hug, get in the car and drive away? Was she supposed to just be so emotional as she is just crying or emotional wreck as he's leaving to go to Afghanistan? As she thought about her husband Matthew being deployed, she thought about the absence that it would create in her household. And then the thought hit her. My husband, the man whom I love, is going to a country where there are terrorists who will stop at nothing. It's a dangerous place. So she decided that she would write a letter expressing all these feelings, all these emotions. And she wrote this letter and she gave it to her husband, handed it to her husband, of course, before he left. And this is how the letter starts. And she says, and she writes, When you find out your husband is being deployed, your world changes completely. The man you share your life with is leaving and there's no guarantee he will come home. Days fly by, hugs, kisses, and sighs because reality is too close. Days on end, trying not to cry too hard so you don't make them feel bad. Laying your head on their chest, trying to memorize the sound of his heartbeat, the way that he holds you. The letter goes on very touching, very emotionally, dealing with these feelings, these deep feelings that she has, concerns about death, the possibility of losing her husband, talking about the benefits she would have to receive as a widow. But then she goes on and expresses the pride that she has in her husband, how she considers him a hero as he's fighting for freedom and fighting for his country. And she expresses all of this worry, all of this loneliness, saying goodbye. It's never easy to do. You've been there, haven't you? Had to say goodbye to when maybe a friend moves away, a colleague, a business friend, Take a, takes a call somewhere else. Maybe you remember breaking up, having to say goodbye to a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you didn't want to say goodbye to. It's the end of the year, friends leave, people graduate. Thankfully, they come back sometimes. The fact of life is that we have to say goodbye at times. And it's hard to do. Why is it hard to do? Maybe because we hold so dearly that person that we're having to say goodbye to. Winnie the Pooh joins the conversation as well. And he says, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. The Bible according to Pooh. Hang on, that didn't sound right. <laughs> Pooh bear. But isn't, isn't that the reason why it's so hard to say goodbye? Unless we wanted to say goodbye to them or to that thing, right? The person to whom is departing, we hold close to our heart. 
Now, we've been talking through this sermon series about being fortified, about strengthening our faith. And there's a fact of being fortified that we need to remember. And that is in order for us to be stronger in our faith, we actually have to say goodbye to something else. We've been talking over the past few weeks about deepening our walk with God, about getting in the word of God, about accepting his gift of holiness, accepting what he is doing in our lives and being patient as he's working on our lives, as we're waiting for his return. We're making decisions while all this is going on. We decide that we want to get into the word of God, that we want to study the Bible, that we choose to be patient, that we choose to follow Jesus. You know the song, I have decided to do what? To follow Jesus. And that's my prayer for our church, for you, that you have chosen, that you have decided to follow Jesus. And as we continue today talking about saying goodbye, it's different than what we've done in the past. Usually when we strengthen something, we add to it. We we bolster it up and we strengthen it to make it stronger. Well, this time, we're going to wave our hands and we're going to say, Goodbye, old man, as we fortify our faith. A couple weeks ago, I painted our living room in our hallway. Painting is usually not a difficult job, except unless you're a perfectionist. (laughs) Took me all week. And my wife was like, I just wish we could get this done so we get the furniture back and redecorate. Usually you don't exert a lot of energy painting. You roll it on, or you use the paintbrush, and you tape things down, take, out the, take off the plate, you know, the electrical plate covers or whatever you do. It took me all week. I own one pair of paint pants because I don't want to have to get any of my other clothing dirty wearing one article, one, one pair of paint pants. So at the end of the first day, it wasn't too bad. At the end of the second day, it wasn't eh, a little bit, you know, not too bad. End of the third day, fourth day, by the end, near the end of that week, whew, sweaty, stinky, dirty, painted, dusty paint clothes. How do you think my, my wife would like it if I went to sleep in those clothes. She's like, get away from me. Right? I have to consciously make the choice to say goodbye to the old dirty clothes, get a shower, and put on some new, clean, fresh clothes. Don't I? The Bible talks about saying goodbye to the old, dirty Stinky way of sin. And it talks so seriously about how violently we have to say goodbye to the life of sin that it talks about it as death. Open your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul explains what needs to happen since our lives are connected with Jesus. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Speaking of saying goodbye, Paul says in verse 5, he says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. And he explains them, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, make a decision. Say goodbye. Put those things of evil to death. Make the decision to remove that stinky life of the past. He goes on, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming in which we used to partake of, which you used to partake of, he says. In verse 8, he says, but now... You yourselves are also going to put off these things. And he goes through a list of evil works of sin. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Paul says, do away with it. Put it to death. Put it away. Say goodbye. Jesus resonates the same facts. Although Jesus makes it just as serious In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, this is what Jesus says. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. In verse 30, he says, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Jesus is being serious about how we deal with sin in our lives. Out of the five senses that we have, hearing, smelling, tasting, seeing, and touch, which of those senses is the primary sense used for lust? Eyeball, right? Jesus is talking in the context of lust on the Sermon on the Mount, talking about adultery and these things. And he says, if your eye causes you to sin, if your eye causes you to lust, tear it out. Here's the question, though. Can you still lust with your left eye? You can't, can't you? So, okay, so your right hand causes you to sin. I'm sinning by interrupting church, right? (laughs) Cut it off. (laughs) Can you still sin with your left hand? So what's Jesus really talking about? Is he talking about maiming our bodies so that we can make it to heaven? Jesus is not talking about that. He's talking about the purpose and the passion that we have for what we're doing. More than just the letter of the law... Jesus is referring more to the spirit of the law. Because maiming our body doesn't keep us from sinning. Whipping ourselves doesn't keep us from sinning. Jesus is concerned more about the motive, the purpose, the reason behind why we're doing it. He wants us to realize that, yes, unconfessed sin will keep us from heaven. But he's being passionate a bit. He wants us to be passionate about saying goodbye to those old life of sin. It is hard to do. So Jesus is saying, be so serious about it. Be so passionate about it that you are willing 
to pluck out your eye or cut off your hand. So if your phone, bring it into a little more uh, modern terms, if your phone causes you to sin, get rid of it. Be willing to go that far. If your, if your car causes you to sin, get rid of it. Be so serious as to that. If your refrigerator causes you to sin, get an ice chest. If your computer causes you to sin, if school causes you to sin, school is not a sin. School is good for you. But Jesus is saying to radically make that decision to say goodbye and to be done with the old life that kept so bound and sin, and habits, of, and works of evil, and works of unrighteous deeds. Ellen White talks about this kind of thing in Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, page 60 and 61. She says, that which causes the soul to stumble must be sacrificed. It is through the will, human will, it is through the will that sin retains its hold upon us. The surrender of the will is represented as plucking out the eye Or cutting off the hand. And then she goes on the next page and says, Only through the surrender of our will to God is it possible for him to impart life to us. Only as we give our lives to God. Like we talked a little bit about last week. We talked about God's holy works being worked out in our lives, the the godly qualities that he wants to see in us. It's a free gift that he's given us. As we surrender our lives to Jesus, he gives us that life. He gives us those works. And so as Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about putting to death and surrendering those things that cause us to stumble cause the soul to stumble. It's the surrender of our will and giving it over to Jesus so that when we're in a situation where we're like, I don't want to be in here, Jesus, take me. Surrender myself to you and help me to make a better decision. That's where victory happens. So Jesus talks about cutting things off. Paul talks about the old way of living. And let us go back to Colossians Colossians chapter 3, and notice that there is a trade-off from the old to the new. Paul talks about it as the old way of living, the old man of sin, the old way of life, this, this old spiritual part of ourselves that needs to be gone. Verse 9, he says, do not lie to one another. Colossians 3 verse 9, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with its deeds, verse 10, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So you notice there's a transfer here. There's a trade-off. You take off the old, you put on the new. It's making that decision to follow Jesus. It's being fortified. Paul is challenging his listeners, his hearers, his readers. He's challenging them to live differently. Whereas no longer, the old choices are no longer a part of us. 
the old attractions, the old attitudes, the old habits. They're no longer a part of us. The things that we once hated, we now love. And the things that we once loved, we now hate. It's saying goodbye to that old man. Putting on the new life in Jesus. And then Paul goes on and he talks about some of the godly qualities like we talked about last week. He talks about mercy, talks about kindness, humility, talks about forgiveness. In verse 14, he says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on love. God's love. A love that can only come from God. He doesn't say put on kindness. doesn't say put on meekness. doesn't say put on patience. Put on mercy. He says put on love. A love that only comes from God. That breaks down walls. That rebuilds relationships. That thinks outside of itself. The very nature of God. Because the Bible tells us God is is love. And that love can only come from looking to Jesus. Now go back up to chapter 3, verse 1. Colossians 3, verse 1. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It should be right there for you. Because Paul is talking about being raised with Christ. And on this Easter weekend, as we think about how Jesus was raised from the tomb and the tomb was opened up to new life, resurrection, Jesus can do that with our old life as we die to the old life of this life of sin, the old choices that kept us stuck in the ground and buried in death. Jesus can resurrect us up into new life. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if you were then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I love these verses because it reminds us to not focus on just the petty things of this world. Not just focused on the things, on even the rules of this world that seem like they are spiritual. Go back and read the end of chapter 2. He talks about these, these ritualistic laws that seem spiritual and have an appearance of holiness. But Paul's saying, no, that's not, that's not what to focus on. Where do we put our focus? On Jesus. Because he has resurrected us. He has risen us because we have died from that old life of sin. And he gives us then the ability to love. The ability to put off the old man. The ability to break up with that old man of sin. And not, and don't, and not go back to them any longer. As we close this morning, I'm going to ask you a question. A question that hits home to some students because it's the time of life that you're in. A question that adults, we have already experienced. A question that parents, you're going to help your children work through this someday eventually, unless you already have. A question I want to ask this morning. Why is breaking up so hard to do.
Now, for some of you that are chronologically advanced, it's a gentle way of saying, right? About 50 years ago, there was a song. Anybody remember it? I remember Yep. Mike remembers Breaking up is hard to do. It's a song. It's an oldie now, they call it. But when Marvin was in high school, it was fresh. <laughs> Breaking up is hard to do. Why is it so hard to do? I remember back in my life when I had girlfriends, not multiple girlfriends at a time, every so often. I just remember it was tough. Either if, if I was the one initiating it, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. Or if I was the one getting dumped on, oh, that was tough. But it's always hard to do. Now, maybe it's not so hard with the person doing the dumping because you're already over the relationship. But it's still hard to do. Maybe because you're compassionate and you don't want to hurt their feelings or something. So if you're the one initiating, you start saying things like this. It's okay. Maybe we can be friends. No. That doesn't work. Or, or maybe, maybe they, they'll, you'll start saying things like this. You know, let's just take a break. And, you know, maybe we can get back together sometime. Don't do that. Bad idea. It's not me. Or it's not you, it's me. Really. Really, it's not you, it's me. So we start saying these things. But breaking up, it's hard to do. It's, it's tough to do. Because we're having to say goodbye, especially for the person who's being broken up with. <laughs> you have to say goodbye to that person that you wanted to spend time with. Bring that question around to a spiritual sense. Why is breaking up with sin so hard to do? Why is it so hard for us We know what's right. We desire to have this close walk with Jesus. But it's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to fall back into a way of sin that we didn't want. We can make a list if we wanted to. Well, it's hard because we're comfortable where we are. We don't want to change our ways. It's hard because sin looks enticing. We want to try it out ourselves. It's hard to break off with that because we want the thrill of sin, to feel alive. The lies that Satan gives. Whatever it is, the old man likes to rear his ugly head quite often tries to resurrect himself and say, hey, I'm still a part of your life. You should try this or you should do this. And you're just like, no. You're dead. I want to challenge you this morning to keep fighting. Challenge you this morning to keep looking to Jesus. The more and more that we look to Jesus, the easier and easier it is to say, you're gone. No more, old man of sin. The more and more we look to Jesus, it's easier to say, I am a child of God. And no matter what Satan says and comes along and say, look at what you just did yesterday. Look what you just did. You shouldn't have done that. You can look at Satan and you can say, get away from me because Jesus is my friend 
I have nothing to do with you. Because that is the old way, and I have died with Jesus. He has resurrected me to new life, and I'm following him. So I want to challenge you today to keep doing what is right. It's a daily battle. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. That's when we crucify the old man of sin. It's a struggle because the struggle is real. There's a warfare going on, a spiritual battle going on in your life. Keep reminding yourself that that old man of sin is dead. He's done away with. And walk with confidence and newness of life. I'll leave you with a verse for courage. 1 John 5, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God, that's the rebirth that Jesus talks about. The rebirth that the gospel talks about. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Isn't that powerful? That we have overcome the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Courage, my friends. Stand your ground. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. And keep looking to Jesus. And walk with him in newness of life. Let us pray together. Lord God, as we have looked at some of your scriptures this morning and how they can apply to our lives and the spiritual struggle that goes on daily, may we continue to keep our eyes fixed on you. May we continue to put away that old life and let you regenerate new life within us. So go with us as we fight, as we struggle, as we live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.